This podcast is brought to you by the Gosh Learning Academy. Welcome to the second episode of the Quality Improvement Podcast Series. Over this series of six podcasts, we'll be joined by staff members of the Gosh Quality Improvement Team. In this episode, we'll give you some helpful hints on where to begin, discuss how to scope a project and detail the importance of understanding a problem. We're joined by Jit, Head of Quality, and Caitlin, a Quality Improvement Coach from the QI team. Welcome both to the podcast. Thanks a lot, Rian. We're really happy to be here today. So Jit, in the last podcast, you talked with us about your philosophy and your approach to change in the NHS. And you also outlined quality improvement and how it could help you on your improvement journey. So the first question I wanted to put to you today is, there are all of these thoughts and ideas I have about my change project. How do I know where to start? Good question. It's something I mentioned in my previous podcast, actually, it's about having good foundations. I don't know actually any project really is about getting the groundwork up and running, whether you're building a house or renovating your garden or doing whatever, the same principles apply. I'll give you an example. I, uh, about a year ago, I built a new gate at the side of the house. The gate had broken down and I decided to get a new one and replace it. So first looked around to see whether it was a standard size and unfortunately it wasn't, it was a bespoke size. I contacted some joiners to see how much it would be. And it was actually incredibly expensive. So I thought, you know what, let's see if I can do it myself. So I scoped it out. I sketched out a design and dimensions and everything else. I measured everything else, make sure I had the tools and the time, but wouldn't I needed a neighbor of mine, thankfully actually owns his own wood yard. So I had a chat with him in terms of the type of wood I would have required for this. Anyway, did a bit of research, went on to Google, went on to YouTube, had a look at some videos in terms of actually how people did woodworking. I don't think I did any woodworking for about the last 30 odd years. So it was just me getting my head back into it. Anyway, I built this gate and thankfully a year later and several storms later, it's still standing. It's like planning a journey as well. You've got to scope, see what's in and out of scope, understand what it is that you're trying to do. What's the one thing that you're going to do that's going to be give the biggest bang for your buck? And there may be several options that you need to have a look at, but then do some sort of options appraisal to see how you get on with that. Think about what's your sort of biggest frustration. What's your biggest bugbear? What about patients complain about, you know, not trying to solve symptoms as well. Need to drill down into the problem itself. So try and define your solution without blame, cause, symptom or solution. Actually, if you can start out with a very clear problem statement, it ensures actually that you stay on a good path and any kind of scope creep is minimized. Well, I'm really glad to hear that your gate's still standing, Jit. That's, that's really good news. It sounds like you needed to do quite a lot of prep to get that gate up and functional. My next question is, what if I just have an idea that I'm really sure is going to make things better? Why can't I just carry on with implementing my solution? I think that's a really good, that's a real, that's another good question there. We've almost become programmed to come up with solutions and managers don't really want to hear about the problem. They want to see that you've got a solution, your managers are busy. And I'll give you an example for when I used to work. So we very much you'd go to a manager and say, oh, there's a problem with so and so. They said, yeah, I don't want to know about your problems. I want to know that you've got a solution for me. And actually as a consequence, we're mentally sort of programmed to think about a solution as soon as we're faced with a problem, but we miss so much. 
We miss so much when we go straight to a solution without really truly understanding everything that has gone into that problem, understanding different perspectives. What is the data telling us? What are people experiencing? But it's very similar to when people say, well, actually, I've got an idea we want to improve. Well, actually, what is, what are you actually trying to improve by going straight to something that is a solution or an idea? Again, we need to maybe sometimes just pull it back a little bit, understand what the problem is or what the improvement that we want to make is. There may be safety concerns, there may be incidences that have caused us to go down this road. But yeah, it's fundamentally, what is the problem? What are we trying to solve is probably the most important thing that we need to be focusing on. Yeah, I've definitely heard you talk about that a lot since I started working with you, Jit, and it, you've really drilled it into me. And I think it's a really great point for our listeners to take away today. So now that I've started thinking more about the problem, I think we hear this quite often that it can be really overwhelming. Maybe we don't really have any idea about why it's happening or when it's happening. So what should we do next? How can we get around that? It's about breaking it down, understanding what the data is telling you. The data is probably the most important facet in, in terms of really trying to understand your problem. Think about where the databases are. The Datex is your friend. Sometimes we use Datex really to sort of put information into. We don't ever tend to interrogate data if we're looking for trends or themes or maybe areas that we could look to improve. So do some thematic evaluation, thematic analysis, common occurring themes. Try Pareto. Complaints is another place to look for as well. Staff feedback. Triangulate these various aspects together. What it'll do is it'll give you a very clear definitions of what you're trying to do. And then let the data guide your decision making. That's a very important sort of thing to do. Don't worry about the outcome at this, just this stage. Actually, if you don't have a very good crystallized problem statement, chances are actually that you're going to go down the wrong pathway here. And then once you have that, once you have a really clear problem statement crystallized. So again, when we talked about, you're not introducing things like blame, symptom, some of the other bits in there, you can then turn that into some sort of small team. Great. And we do have a nice template that we can help with anyone who'd like to start to create a problem statement. You can get in touch with the QI team to learn more about that. I think it does make a lot of sense. And what you were saying about data available, it's really true that in the NHS, we have so much of it available to us, like you mentioned around Datex, we just need to harness it. So can you tell us a bit more about creating a problem statement at this stage of the journey? The NHS is probably one of the most data-rich organisations in the world, but we very rarely sort of tap into that data. But coming back to the problem statement, actually, so make ensure actually there's no solutions in your problem statement. So things like reduce soon, as soon as possible. You know, these aren't things, so less is not a number and soon is not a time. Stakeholders are so important. You'll have a call team and maybe restrict it to six people max, strip it back, make sure there's no solution blame cause symptom within there. Actually, how are we going to measure it? So understand what those sort of outcomes are and what it could look like. When you're defining the scope, define the boundaries right from the off, you know, how we're going to do this and we won't do this, but be really upfront about this because it's a useful way to communicate your project or your improvement to others. You know, this happens all the time. People start coming in and saying, well, actually, you know, you, have you thought about this or can you add this or could you sort this out too while you're doing this? And what it does is actually models your scope and models your sort of improvement, the original goal as well. And I always say, if people come and ask you to add things to your improvement projects, say, do you know what, I'll do it. I'll do it as maybe phase two or phase three of my project. But having a very clearly defined scope at the very beginning and sticking to that is incredibly important. You can add to your scope, but you can add to it later to say no is okay. Yeah, so actually I'm not going to do it this time around, but we'll do it later. Because what that does is actually impacts on your time and your resources. 
So it, it sounds like by creating a really clear problem statement, it's going to make things a lot easier in maybe terms of communication once we're ready to engage our stakeholders on the project. And we will hear more about stakeholders in the next podcast. But I just want to ask if there are any tools you might suggest at this stage of the project. Yeah, there's a famous Einstein quote. I'm sure it was Einstein who actually said it, it was uh, actually, if you can't explain something simply, you don't understand it yourself. And actually, if we can't explain things in a simple way, chances are actually there are some stakeholders who won't really be able to understand what we're trying to do. You know, let's think about the rationale. I and mean, what is the rationale for this change? And a really great way of doing this is the elevator pitch. First and foremost, about really clear communication and engagement and being able to explain your topic in a way that people can really fathom. And it's about hooking them and actually leaving them wanting for more. There's a lot of time we were a fast-paced work environment and people don't have the time to, to spend half an hour, two hours listening and getting an explanation of what it is that you want to do. The whole sort of elevator pitch, those that watch The Wolf of Wall Street sort of will understand, you know, sell me this pen. How quickly can I explain in 60 seconds or less the concept of what I'm trying to do? I don't need agreement or engagement there and then, but I actually want them to be sufficiently interested in the thing that I'm trying to do to then come back and ask me for more. So think about the constraints and the barriers that they are. Once you have this, we're kind of ready to rock and roll. Thanks, Jen. I think that's been a great, a great summary of getting started with your project. Over to you, Rian. Thank you, Caitlin and Jit, for that interesting introduction on how to truly understand your problem. If you'd like to learn more about how you can use QI to improve your service at GOSH, you can find lots of information about the team on our GOSH quality page. By visiting this page, you'll also be able to navigate the GOSH quality hub where you'll be able to find a fantastic range of tools and resources to help you get started on your improvement journey. Do keep an eye out on Gosh Den for upcoming QI courses and of course follow the quality page on Twitter at quality at Gosh. We hope you'll join us next time for the third part of our quality improvement series. See you then. Music